Babbel.com Language for life. Why Babbel? When you want to learn a new language, you want to be able to actually use it with real people in the real world. Every part of Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Designed by pros. Lessons with realistic scenarios designed by over a hundred linguists. Use whatever you learn. Interactive dialogues that get you speaking confidently. Learn on any device. Compatibility with most devices with lessons that are only 10 to 15 minutes. Remember everything. Reviews that bring back everything you've learned. Number one selling language at learning app. Download the app today and start learning language for your everyday life from the App Store or Google Play. Choose how you learn. To start with Babbel, choose a plan that works best for you. Babbel app subscription. Get unlimited access to hundreds of award-winning lessons designed for all learners based on level and time commitment. Babbel live subscription. You'll have access to live virtual classes taught by top language teachers available at a variety of days, times, and levels, plus access to all Babbel online lessons. People love Babbel. Thousands of five-star reviews. Publications love Babbel. Babbel. The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, CNN, Forbes, The New York Times, The Washington Post, US Today, CNET. Choose from the following languages like Spanish, French, German, Italian, Russian, Portuguese, Turkish, Dutch, Swedish, Polish, Norwegian, Indonesia, Danish. Over 10 million subscriptions sold. Good morning. Here is Chapter 19 of Laura Ingalls Wilder's By the Shores of Silver Lake, titled Christmas Eve. It had snowed all day and soft, large flakes were still falling. The winds were quiet so that the snow lay deep on the ground and Paul took the shovel with him when he went to do the evening chores. Well, it's a white Christmas, he said. Yes, and we're all here and all well, so it's a merry one, said Ma. The surveyor's house was full of secrets. Mary had new... Mary had knitted new warm socks for Pa's Christmas present. Laura had made him a necktie from a piece of silk she found in Ma's scrap bag. Together in the attic, she and Carrie had made an apron for Ma from one of the calico curtains that had hung in the shanty. In the scrap bag, they found a piece of fine white muslin. Laura had cut a small square from it and secretly hit Mary had him the square with her fine stitches and made a handkerchief for Ma. They put in it the apron pocket, then they had wrapped the apron in tissue paper and hid it under the quilt block in Mary's box. There had been a blanket striped across the ends in red and green. The blanket was worn out, but the striped end was good, and from it Ma had cut bed shoes for Mary. Laura had made one and carried the other, seaming and turning the and finishing them neatly with cords and tassels of yarn. The shoes were hidden carefully in Ma's bedroom so that Mary would not find them. Laura and Mary had wanted to make mittens for Carrie, but they had not they had not enough yarn. There was a little white yarn and a little red and a little blue, but not enough for any color to make mittens. I know, Mary said, we'll make the hands white and the wrists in red and blue stripes. Every morning while Carrie was making her bed in the attic, Laura and Mary knitted as fast as they could. When they heard her coming downstairs, they hid the mittens in Mary's knitting basket. The mittens were there now finished. 
Grace's Christmas present was to be the most because most beautiful of all. They had all worked at it together in the warm room, for Grace was so little that she didn't notice. Ma had taken the swan skin from his careful wrappings and cut it and cut from it a little hood. The skin was so delicate that Ma trusted no one else to handle that. She sewed every stitch of the hood herself, but she let Lauren carry a piece out the lining of scraps of blue silk from the scrap bag. After Ma sewed the swan's down hood to the lining, it would not tear. Then Ma looked again in the scrap bag and chose a large piece of soft blue woolen cloth that she had that had once been her best winter dress. Out of it she cut a little coat. Laura Carey sewed the seams and pressed them. Mary put the tiny stitches in the hem and the bat bottom. Then on the silk coat, Ma sewed the collar of the swan's down and put narrow swan's down cuffs on the sleeves. The blue coat trimmed with the with the white swan's down and the delicate swan's down hood with its lining as as blue as the Grace's eyes were beautiful. It's like making doll clothes, Laura said. Grace will be lovelier than lovelier than any doll, Mary declared. Well, let's put them on her now, Carrie cried, dancing in her eagerness. But Ma had said the coat and the hood must be laid away until Christmas, and they were. They were waiting now for tomorrow morning to come. Pa had gone hunting. She said he intended to have the biggest jackrabbit in the territory for the Christmas dinner. And he had, at least he thought, at, at least he had brought home the very biggest rabbit they had ever seen. Skin and clean and frozen stiff, it waited now in the lean-to to be roasted tomorrow. Pa came in from the stable, stamping the snow from his feet. He broke the ice from his mustache and spread his hands in the warmth above the stove. Phew, he said, this is a humdinger of a cold spell for the night before Christmas. It's too cold for Santa Claus to be put out, and his eyes twinkled at Carrie. We don't need Santa Claus. We've all been, Carrie began. Then she clapped her hand over her mouth and looked quickly to see if Laura and Mary had noticed her. Neither she had told secrets. Pa turned around to warm his back in the heat from the oven, and he looked happily at them. Oh, we're all snug under cover anyway, he said. Ellen and Sam and David are warm and comfortable too, and I gave them an extra feed for Christmas Eve. Yes, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good Christmas, isn't it, Carolyn? Yes, Charles, it is, said Ma. She set the bowl of hot cornmeal mush on the table and poured out the milk. Come now and eat. A hot supper will warm you quicker than anything else's. Anything else, Charles. At supper, they talked about other Christmases. They had had so many Christmases together, and here they were again, all together, warm and fed and happy. Upstairs in Laura's box, there was still Charlotte the rag doll from her Christmas stocking in the made woods. The tin cups and the pennies from Christmas in Indian Territory were gone now, but Laura Mary remembered Mr. Edwards, who had walked 40 miles to Independence and back to bring those presents from Santa Claus. They never had heard of Mr. Edwards since he started alone down the Verdigree River, and they wondered what had become of him. Wherever he is, he let's hope he's as lucky as we are, said Pa. Wherever he was, they were remembering him and wishing him happiness. And you're here, Pa, Laura said. You're not lost in the blizzard. For a moment, they all looked silently at Pa, thinking of that dreadful Christmas when he almost had not come home, and they feared he never would. Tears came into Ma's eyes. She tried to hide them, but she had to rush she had to brush them away with her hand. They all pretended not to notice. It's just thankfulness, Charles Ma said, blowing her nose. Then Paul burst out laughing. That was a joke on me. He said, starving to death for three days and nights and eating the oyster crackers and the Christmas candy, and all the time I was under the bank of our own creek, not a hundred yards from the house. I think the best Christmas was the time 
there was the Sunday School Christmas tree, said Mary. Your two wills are in my care, but oh, how wonderful that was. It wasn't really as good as this one, Laura said, because now Carrie is old enough to remember, and now we have Grace. There was Carrie, the wolf didn't hurt her, and there on Ma's lap sat the littlest sister, Grace, with her hair the color of sunshine and eyes as blue as violets. Yes, this is the best after all, Mary decided, and maybe next year there'll there'll be a Sunday school here. The the mush has gone. Paul scraped the last drop of the milk from his bowl and drank his tea. Well, he said, we can't have a tree where there isn't so much as a bush on Silver Lake. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't want one anyway just for ourselves, but we can have a little Sunday school celebration of our own, Mary. He went to get his fiddle box, and while Ma and Laura washed the bowls and the pots and set them away, he tuned the fiddle and Ross and the bow. Frost was thick on the window planes, and Frost furred the cracks around the door. Thickly against the clear upper edges of the window panes, the snowflakes fluttered, but, la- but lamplight was bright on the red and white tablecloth, and fire glowed behind the open shafts of the stove. We can't sing so soon after eating, said Paul, so I'll just limber up the fiddle. Merrily he played away down the river on the Ohio, and away chime, and why chime the bell so merrily? And jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one ho- in a one hoss open sleigh! Then he stopped and smiled at them all. Are you ready to sing? The voice of the field changed. It was going to sing a hymn. <coughs> Paul played a few notes. Then they all sang. <coughs> yes, a brighter morning is breaking. Better days are coming. All will, <coughs> all the world will be awaking in a new and golden dawn. And many nations will come and say, "Come, let us go up to the, on the go up to the mountain of <coughs> of the Lord, and He will teach us will teach us His ways, and we will walk in His paths." The fiddle's voice wandered away. Paul seemed to be playing his thoughts to himself. <coughs> but a melody grew out of them and throbbed softly until they all joined in and sang. The sun be warm to grass. The sun be warm to grass alive. The dew, the drooping flower. The eyes grew. The eyes grew bright and washed the light of autumn's opening hour. But, <coughs> but words that breathe of tenderness and smells know are true and warmer than the summertime and brighter than the dew. It is not much the world can give with all its subtle art, and golden gems are not the things to satisfy the heart. But oh, if those who cluster around the altar and the hearth have gentle words and loving smiles, how beautiful the earth! <coughs> Through the music, Mary, cri- Mary cried out, What's that? What, Mary? Paul asked. I thought I heard. Listen, Mary said. They listened. The lamp made a tiny purring sound, and the coal soft, softly settled a little in the stove. Past the little space above the white frost on the windows, Paul's letters twinkled in a lamplight shining through the glass. Where, what did you think you heard, Mary? Paul asked. It sounded like, there it is again. This time they all heard a shout. Out in the night in the storm, a man shouted, and shouted again, quite near the house. Ma started up. Charles, who on earth? Thanks for listening to this chapter. Have a good week, and stay safe.